All right, welcome to week four of Q&A. This is the series where you guys have asked the questions, so we're going to be providing the answers to the things that you wanted to hear about. My name is not Dr. Greg. Obviously, I'm not Dr. Greg. My name is Randy. I'm the campus director here. Um, it is great to be here. It's, it's an honor. It's a privilege. So thank you guys for being with, here tonight, with us here tonight. We're going to be talking about how do I get peace of mind? How do we get peace of mind, right? How do we get peace of mind? And uh, this is not my first time preaching in general. This is my first time here on the Valley stage preaching. So I think if this was my first time preaching in general, I would, be, I would have been much more, uh, I would be much more nervous than I am right now. Yeah, I'm still a little bit nervous, but man, I would be a, a, a hardcore mess. My message would not be called, how do I get peace of mind? It would be called, like, how do I give other people anxiety? Because I would be melting down. Um, but no. Uh, one of the things that, that I get asked actually from time to time, because usually I'm the, I'm the guy with the, with the handheld mic, I'm up here doing the, you know, how's it going everybody, uh, you know, if you're a first time guest, you know, we're going to give you a shout out and stuff, I'm usually that guy. Uh, so a lot of times I get off the stage and people will come up to me and they're like, how do you have that kind of energy? Like, they, they tell me, oh, I can never be up on stage, I can never do what you do, which is really funny to me because uh, I was definitely not always like that, man. I, actually, I was the opposite of that. Actually, I was, that was so far in the other spectrum. I was, that was like my, my hardcore weakness. That was something that I struggled with um, my, my entire life growing up. I, I was in, in high school, and I, I would be the kind of person that you would, maybe the teacher would call to come up to the front of the class to like, you know, give an oral report or answer a question or something. I'd come up to the front, and I would be like sweating and like shaking and turning red, and then I'd be turning red, but I'd see people start to be like nudging each other, like, like teenagers do, right? Nudge each other and be like, he's turning red. And then I'd hear that, and I would turn purple, and then beyond purple, it's like, I don't even know what's beyond purple, blue, or maybe your head explodes or something. I felt like I was pretty close. I was not a very good public speaker. But God, crazily enough, God really did an amazing work in my life over the years, and just, and just, healed me a lot, a lot of things and brought me to a place where um, I can still be a little bit nervous like I am right now, but I'm not like ready to run and then just take off and just run down the street and you're going to pass me later. I'm still going to be running away, right? Um, like I said, this is my first time on the Valley stage, but I was a, a youth pastor for almost four years, um, not at Valley, at a different church. And man, I think one of the things that, that really kind of uh, helped me and prepared me to be able to speak even to you guys is speaking to a bunch of teenagers. Oh my gosh. Does anybody have teenagers or have you raised teenagers or maybe you're once a teenager or, or you're going to be a teenager someday, but teenagers are, are, they can be very difficult. I love them. It was so much fun. They were kind of like, they're kind of like a little bit like city, a little bit urban type. And it was just cool because the thing that I love so much about them is because they just wanted you to be real. And if you were going up there pretending to be somebody that you weren't, they would sniff that out in two seconds and just be done with you. Just be done with you. Out would come the phones right? They start having the side conversations, start kind of like rolling their eyes, falling asleep or whatever. They just, they just had this great, amazing kind of nose to be able to sniff out when somebody was being real with them or when somebody was just talking nonsense to them or trying to impress them or whatever. So I, I learned very quick not to come out and be like uh, trying to use all their lingo, like YOLO, or like, man, I'm Pastor Randy and today's message is going to be lit like uh, street fire. They'd be like, no, 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 old man, don't do that. Please don't do that. You had to be real with them. You had to be, you had to be yourself, and you, and you could not, you, you should never be scared to be yourself with them, because like I said, they'll, they'll sniff that out. But speaking of teenagers, man, I, look, 
Pastor Stephen did a message, and he showed a, a picture from when he, when he was a teenager. Dr. Greg did a message, and he showed a picture from when he was young. So I thought maybe it was just like part of being up on this stage that you kind of had to do that. It's like a rite of passage. So yes, this is me in high school. Randy, thank you, thank you, thank you. I know, I know. It's the most beautiful hair you ever saw in your life. I know, it's Pantene Pro-V. Uh, people ask me what the secret is. I tell them uh, the secret is actually being able to grow hair, which I can no longer do. But it's just, it's just beautiful, man, beautiful. I look at that kid, I honestly look at that kid, and on the surface, you know, it's a terrible tie, it's crazy hair and stuff, and I can be, like, hard on myself, but sometimes I look at that kid, and I'm like, man, I remember those days. I remember those days of being so socially awkward that I could not even have, like, a one-on-one -on -one conversation with somebody without just getting weird inside myself, right? And I don't know, I'm not going to ask you to show your hands, but I, I would be willing to bet that there's some people in here right now that would consider themselves, like, pretty, pretty socially awkward, right? I look at him, and I'm like, you know, I didn't grow up in a, in a Christian home. I didn't grow up uh, knowing the Lord at all, at all. And that's, you know, that's really kind of nobody's fault. I actually never even heard about Jesus. I grew up in Connecticut. I grew up about maybe two hours down the road. I didn't hear about Jesus until I was well into my 20s, like not at all, barely. I mean, I heard the name. I made fun of him plenty. My friends all made fun of him. But if anybody ever tried to speak to me or if I ever really, like, went to church or something, I, I, I didn't. I didn't. I remember— um, I got invited to church one time. Uh, it was like, it was kind of a requirement. My friend was like, hey, you can come hang out over my house. We'll hang out. We'll play video games. But my mom says you got to come to church with us. And I was like, fine. So the one time I did go to church as a teenager, I went in there and I was so lost, man. I was so lost. And it was a little different style. It was like, kind of like the, the, the sit, kneel, stand, sit, kneel, stand. But I was like, I was like unsure of what was next. So I, I was just kind of very like, I was just, I was just totally weirded out. And I felt so uncomfortable. That was my experience. I felt so uncomfortable. I felt like I didn't belong and I didn't really know um, what I was doing there. And I never went back. I never went back. This guy didn't know. This guy didn't know the Lord at all. Now, when I talk about how to have peace of mind, the number one thing, the number one thing, we're going to talk about five practical things that we can do to have peace of mind. But the number one thing is to be reconciled to God. This guy right here, he didn't know the Lord whatsoever, and it got him in all kinds of trouble, all kinds of trouble. I went from South Windsor High School, which if you're, if you're, if you're keeping track, it was about 15 minutes away from where Pastor Stephen grew up. He grew up in Windsor. I grew up in South Windsor. But I went to South Windsor High School. Um, I stayed there. I stayed in that area until I was like 20. And then I started to straight up kind of like lose it like a lot of teenagers and young people do, just lost it. It was like rebellion and everything. So I know, I know Dr. Greg was in high school, and he was like throwing TD passes. I was in high school, and I was like throwing back Bud Lights. You know, it was, it was not the same experience, right? But I'm going to be real. I'm going to be real. I want to be real. I want to be transparent. I want to be authentic. And I know a lot of people say, man, I'm just trying to keep it real. But really, like, I want to be so real that it's even kind of like, oh, like, really? Okay. But, but by being that way, I hope that God can use his just amazing grace on me and be like, yes, that man used to be like that, but he has been transformed by the power of my grace, right? So while I was in that time and I was, you know, throwing back the Bud Lights and I was, yes, I was smoking pot and I was getting in all kinds of trouble. I didn't go to a Christian school. I was not in sports. In fact, to me, like, doing anything that involved sports or effort just was not cool. It was not worth it. That's one of my biggest regrets in my life. It's like, I wish that I had not taken myself so seriously back then and been, like, too cool to do everything. Maybe I would have actually enjoyed myself a little bit, right? So maybe there's a lesson in there for some people, especially the younger people. But look, be reconciled to God. Because something that I learned was that without Jesus, there is no true peace. Now, I've shared a, a story, you know, very briefly during an announcement time once, how I kind of came to know the Lord. And it's, you know, it's a little, it's a little different. Maybe it's a little weird. I, I was at a, a uh, like a 
heavy metal show? <laughs> like a million years ago, I, I left Connecticut and I went with a buddy and we traveled like a couple of nomads were in this, this, this little car with Grateful Dead Bears in the back and we went all the way down to Dallas, Texas because I had tickets to some crazy heavy metal show that somebody on the internet gave to me. And we showed up down there, went to this heavy metal show, and it was like, yeah, like super demonic. Like instead of the nice V on the front of the, the kick drum there, it's like a pentagram, right? And these people are, are the ton of people like, yes, there's some people in like these satanic bands that are maybe like, ha, 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 it's so funny. Like look at us. Like it's so like tough and we're scary and like, yeah. But then there's people who are like, ha, 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 no, really, like absolutely 100%. We absolutely believe in this thing. And the same way that like some of you guys like believe and serve Jesus Christ is the same way that they like wake up in the morning and they talk to the devil and they believe and they serve Satan, right? That was the kind of thing that I was into. And I didn't even realize that that was really a thing at the time. I just thought it was, oh, it's so cool. Look at the front of their drum. It's got a pentagram on it, man. And I remember going to that show, and because we are in Dallas, we stayed in a, in a travel lodge at the night, in the nighttime. And I, and I opened the drawer, and I saw this Bible in there. And of course, I'm like super anti-Christian, but I'm like, you know what? And I stole the Bible out of the, the travel lodge, the little drawer next to the bed. I stole it on a whim. I don't even know why. I took it with me. I don't even think I told my friend about it. I just put it in my book bag. You know, we, we finished the show, went all the way back home. That thing, I didn't crack that Bible for like two or three years. It just kind of was always in my possession somewhere, which is crazy because I, I was, you know, I, would, I was moving around a little bit. I was getting to that age where you move out of your house and you leave a lot of your old stuff behind. But for some reason, this Bible was kind of like following me around wherever I went. And one day, lo and behold, man, I, I, just, I just got to this point where all this like stuff that I was chasing, all these things that I was doing, all these problems that I was getting myself into, I just got to a point where I was, I was anxious all the time. I was depressed. I wanted to kill myself. I, uh, I, was, I was so listening to like so much of this like demonic influence in my life and believing it. And like when you, when sometimes when you know like words to a song really well, when it's like a crazy satanic song and you're singing and like declaring these crazy words, like at the time I didn't realize what I was doing. But of course I was reaping what I was sowing, right? I was reaping what I was sowing. So it was a, 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 just a hot mess. And I cracked that Bible, man. I cracked that Bible, and it started to do something in my life. It started to do something in my life. Slowly but surely, it started to do something in my life. God started to change me. It wasn't all at first. It wasn't all right away, but God started to change me. I started to feel peace and know peace. And when I understood that Jesus, Jesus was 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 God. It just brought me such a peace that I'd never had before. This verse here, John 14, 27 says, Jesus is, Jesus is at the end of his ministry, basically. He's about to go to the cross, and he says some, some really interesting things, right? He tells the disciples, he says, I'm leaving you, right? I'm leaving you soon. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. It's a gift that the world cannot give. The world might lie to you and say that it can give you some things, right? The world might lie to you and say, oh man, you can find peace in all kinds of stuff, financial security, relationships, all these different things. You can find peace, health, peace, 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 peace. But really, 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 the peace that Jesus gives is a gift that the world cannot give because it's a peace that, that transcends. It's a peace that, that goes beyond, right? John 16 says, it's 1633. It says this. It says, I have told you, this is Jesus again speaking at the end, at the end of his ministry. He says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. 
I have overcome the world. I have overcome. This is the kind of peace, right? This is the kind of peace that, that it goes beyond the world. It goes beyond the problems of the world. He talks about trials and sorrows being here in this world. What does that mean? That means like sickness. That means death. That means all the ugly things that we don't like to think about or talk about. Jesus is saying, look, my peace, if this is a peace that is something the world cannot give you, this needs to be a peace that goes beyond just kind of the trivial decisions of life, like should I wear blue or should I wear black? Those decisions you can have peace about without me. But the big things, the big things that terrify people, the peace of God needs to survive those deep waters. Take heart, because I have overcome the world. If you want true peace, it's got to be eternal. And it's only going to be through Jesus. Only. Peace takes an eternal perspective. So it would make sense that that number one thing is we, to know peace, to have peace of mind, you've got to have that eternal perspective. Without Jesus, right, that sometimes you see the little bumper sticker go by. It's like, it's like no Jesus, no peace, right? N-O, Jesus, N-O, peace. But then K-N-O-W, Jesus. K-N-O-W, peace. No Jesus, no peace. Peace takes an eternal perspective. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, we're gonna try, I'm going to try and make this as practical, as practical as possible because it's, it was kind of interesting to see the things that people in, in Q&A in the series that we're in and the, the things that people filled out that they wanted answers to. If you, if you really look at them, a lot of them are the same thing. What was the first week? How do I stop worrying? The other one I think was about anxiety. This one's about peace of mind. That means there's a lot of people, probably maybe people just like you, that are out there struggling, dealing with things, dealing with things. The good news is that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means your past, right? Your past is yesterday. All that stuff in your past. All that stuff in my past. That stuff that, that I was doing back in the day that, I'm, that I was ashamed of, that I'm ashamed of now. Sins, mistakes, even like the stupid things that like I just replay in my head 20 years later about something dumb that I said to somebody that didn't matter that was way back in the day. That person sure doesn't remember, but for some reason I do. And at 3 o'clock in the morning, that goes across my head and I cringe. Peace in the past. Peace in the present. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Peace in the present. Your decisions, your current challenges, the things that you need to do in life now. He's the God of peace of that. And forever, your future, your future plans. And one of the things that I find out, that I found is so difficult when you're talking about future plans. It's super easy to surrender things to Jesus when they're not going well. Oh God, you got to help me with this thing. You got to help me with this thing coming up tomorrow but it's harder to surrender your future when it looks good. It's much easier to trust in the good times as the good times instead of looking even through those and saying, God, I don't want to trust in my own understanding. I don't want to trust in my own circumstance, my own finance, my own relationships. God, I don't want to trust in myself and my understanding. I want to trust in you above and beyond all things. Yesterday, my past, today, my present, and the future forever. And forever even transcends your tomorrow. Forever goes forever. That means after you're gone. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now Jesus, man, 
he really kind of blew people's socks off with some of this stuff, right? So Paul here is talking about what he's learned from Jesus. In 1 Thessalonians 4, he says something very interesting. He says, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death. Now look at that, sleep in death. So that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. This is crazy. This says that those people, those people out there that don't know the Lord, they don't have that hope. They don't have that hope that someday they're going to wake up. Wake up. A.K.A. what other people call death. Christians are calling sleep because someday those that have died in Christ are going to wake up. You, someday, me, someday, we're going to be faced with our own mortality. But God is going to be there, and you have to have that hope. You have to know. Them people out there don't know. Me, back in the day, I didn't know. My family, my friends, my community, they didn't know. They don't have that hope. But we do. Do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. I'm saying, don't be sad. No, it's, it's okay to be sad. Absolutely. It's okay to go through trials. Absolutely. It's okay to have suffering. Absolutely. These things are going to happen. Jesus himself said it. But if you know Christ, you know peace. The number, thing, number two thing that we can do to have peace of mind is to be humble in prayer. Be humble in prayer. Daniel, the very famous prophet from the Old Testament. Daniel was crazy. Daniel, if you read the book of Daniel, there's all kinds of prophecy up in there. People get very interested in the nuances of all these things that Daniel was talking about that even apply to the end time stuff that hasn't even happened yet. Daniel was seeing that and writing that stuff down. It's still valid. It's still, it's still applicable today. Daniel, this guy... This guy who had all those giftings, this guy that saw so much, this guy still humbled himself, right? Listen to this story. Daniel 10, 10. He's talking, he's saying, just then a hand touched me, still trembling to my hands and knees. So he's visited by an angel. He's visited by an angel, and he feels this thing on him. He says, just then a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling to my hands and knees. It goes on to say, and the man, the angel, said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God, so listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I have been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up, still trembling. Next one. And he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to, don't miss this, since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer. Even Daniel humbled himself before God. Even Daniel who had all these giftings, spiritual giftings even, right? He was prophesying. He saw all kinds of things, things that we don't even see and understand still to this day. Daniel humbled himself and said, God, not my understanding, but yours. He said, God, I'm before you, God. Show me. And the angel says, your request has been heard. Your request has been heard. Be humble. Being humble takes two things. Being humble in prayer. Number one is submitting your plans to the Lord. Submit. And this is easier said than done. Easier said than done. We've heard it a million times. Not my will, but your will be done. Not my will. Even in the good times. Not just in the bad times. Not my will. Not my plans. 
your plans, God, that you, God, would have your way in me, Lord. Submit yourself. Submit your plans to God. And then number two, listen to his voice. Listen, because it's one thing to submit your plans, but sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says no, and we need to be able to say okay, Lord. An example of this, an example of this is, is, is back in the day after I did finally get saved, right? I was, I was a hippie. I actually got saved as a, as a hippie. I had a crazy beard. I was reading my Bible. I was working at a hippie summer camp, right? I was working out there, and I was reading the Word, got saved, and God was doing these amazing things in my life. I ended up joining up with this. I ended up traveling with a buddy of mine. We thought we were going to be missionaries, right? I know this is a crazy story. I know this is, like, ridiculous sounding, but stay with me here. Me and my buddy, we thought we were going to be missionaries. We're, like, we're like brand new to the Lord. We're on fire. We're reading the Word. We're like, yes, God is so great. We're like, we're going to go off together, and we're going to change the world for Jesus Christ, man. So me and him with our giant beards, looking like a couple of rabbis, we're like, we're jump, we jumped on a train, and we go to Los Angeles. Oh, this is a crazy story. We go to Los Angeles, California. Instead of being missionaries to the world and like going all the way up the, up the, the California coast like what my plan was and, and just evangelizing and talking to all these people all the way up there, that was my plan. Instead of that, on day two, we ended up in this program, right? It was like emergency shelter. It was a place to stay for the night. And because uh, we were missionaries, traveling missionaries, a.k.a. homeless, okay, with gigantic beards and backpacks, traveling around like a couple of weirdos, right? trying to talk to people about Jesus Christ, we end up in this, in this place, and it's like emergency shelter. And they're like, hey, listen, we'll let you stay here for a couple of nights. You can go on your way, but you can only stay here for a couple of nights, and then you got to go, or you have to make a decision to join up with this program. It's a discipleship program. If you need to get your life right with Jesus Christ, if you need to kind of like break off some of the issues in your life, this is a good idea. But listen, we're going to put this up to you. you got two days, three days max to stay with us, and then you got to make a decision. So my plan was, God, we are out of here. We're going to travel. We're going to be awesome. It's going to be so cool to go up north and see all these, you know, San Luis Obispo and Sacramento and Santa Barbara. And we're going to go up into Oregon. We're going to go up into Washington and see Seattle. Those are my plans. And maybe on my second day there, these guys in, in this, in this uh, program come up to me and they're like, look, we're actually an outreach program. We, like, we go out and we do like, some evangelism and stuff. Um, if, you, if you'd like to come out with us tonight, it was a Friday night. If you want to come out with us tonight, we go ahead and we'll invite you to that. So I was like, well, I don't know. Like, I don't really know anything about evangelism, but you know, I kind of want to be a, a missionary. Like, so I'll try it. So I went out with them. So we go out. So I didn't know where we're going, right? We go out to the Sunset Strip, Hollywood, downtown Hollywood. We go out. Not only do we go to the, the heart of Hollywood, right? The heart of Hollywood where you see, like, uh, Mariah Carey walking around. Uh, I've seen Suge Knight, like, if you know who that is. I've seen all kinds of people walking around that area. We've seen Dan Aykroyd. We've seen Joe Rogan, like, constantly out there in that area, right? So all kinds of people. You are in the heart of Hollywood. And these, this program, these guys who are, like, so on fire for Jesus, which just freaked me out in a little bit, in a little way, they're like, okay, we're going we're gonna to meet out there. So we meet out there. We're on the street. We're on Sunset Boulevard. It's a Friday night. Listen, I don't know if you've ever been to Hollywood on a Friday night. That place is ridiculously popping. There is cars 
everywhere. There are people everywhere. It is throngs of people. It's not just like a group of 10, a group of 100, maybe 200, 300. It's like thousands of people. You have like all the comedy clubs, like one after another, and there's lines of people outside. You got all the like the dance clubs. You got all the fancy bars. You got all the strip clubs that are all out there in that one area on Sunset Boulevard. And I meet these people out there, and they have these giant eight-foot crosses made of wood. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I don't know what I've got myself into. But I was like, you know what? I, I, this is crazy, but I'm going to go along with this thing. I'm going to go along. I just want to see what happens. So they're dragging this like eight foot cross down the, down the sidewalk through these lines of people that are waiting outside the comedy clubs and the bars and stuff. And people are moving out the way. And I'm thinking, oh, man, somebody's going to get beat up. This is stupid. This is stupid. Like you're trying to carry like a wooden cross down in Sunset Boulevard. They are going to destroy you. Do you not understand what's going to happen here? And sometimes so people would be like, what are you doing? They'd be kind of like upset, right? What are you doing? Man, the people that were carrying that cross, they surprised me to death. They just turned around and they said, listen, we're not out here saying nothing. We just want to be out here and ask people if they need prayer for something. Is something going on in your life? Is something going on in your family's life? Is there something that you need prayer for? Because we just want to be out here to be able to, to pray for you. Do you understand? You, you, you wouldn't even understand how many people I saw in that crazy foolish event, outreach, carrying these big, wooden, heavy, eight-foot crosses. How many people I saw come up to that cross? Because people are drawn to that cross. Even people who want to come up and fight were disarmed by the humble spirit that these people were out there saying, no, 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 we just want to pray. We just want to pray. Have you been hurt by the church? I'm so sorry. I want to ask for your forgiveness on behalf of the church. So we're traveling with these eight-foot crosses. We get outside. We, get, we come to this, to this intersection, right? This intersection is probably the busiest intersection in all Sunset Strip there. It's got like a major dance club here, a major bar there, and a major strip club here. And it's just thousands of people are milling around outside, going from place to place to place, and then to the comedy places like on the other sides. And there's cars, like all the big, nice, the Bentleys, the Ferraris, the Lamborghinis, all the nicest things that all the richest people that are going out to party in the best spots in Hollywood, they're going by, but they can't even go by because there's so much traffic. So they're just stopped and looking out the window at all of these weirdos who got this big eight-foot eight wooden cross over there on the side of the road, and thousands of people are around, and people are just coming up. They're coming up. We're on the corner there, and people are just coming up to us talking. And I remember still being an observer at the time, being like, this is, this is crazy. Listen, so we're out there. There's all these people. The cops show up. The cops show up. Now keep in mind, I'm praying. I'm like, I'm like God, that, that you would, that it would be your will, not mine. That it'd be your plans, not mine. God, I have my plans. I want to keep going. I want to keep going on my adventure, but not my plans, God. Your plans. I submit them to you, God. So I'm out there, and it's in this moment that the cops show up. They show up right next to us. This is like, this is like us right here with the cross, and there's tons of people around, and the cops show up at an intersection like right there, and they pull somebody over like right there. And the cops actually get out of the car, open the doors, get behind the doors, draw their guns in the car in front of them, and start being like, driver, put your hand slowly out the window. And the driver's starting to put his hand slowly out the window. The, the guns are drawn. The cops are there. The sirens are going off. All these Bentleys and all these Lamborghinis and Ferraris are all over the place, mixed in with all these normal people stopped, dead. All these thousands of people are thronging around, and they're coming over to see what's going on, what is happening, what is happening. And in that moment, 
these people were drawn to the cross, and they started just talking to, some, to us and some of the people that I was with, and they were like, please pray for us. So we were praying for them while there's like crazy stuff over here and all this stuff over here in the middle of the heart of Hollywood, Sunset Boulevard, all this stuff and sin and craziness. And people were just being prayed for right there. And I felt the Spirit of God moving away that I never felt in my entire life, and I knew I knew that God was telling me to stay in that program. So I talked to my buddy the next day, and I said, I'm sorry, man. God told me. I, I just have peace. I'm staying, and I made a commitment. He left, and I stayed in that program for years. I went through a discipleship program. Then I went through an internship program, and then I became a staff, and then I became a department head, all of that, all in that ministry there. The ministry is called Hope for Homeless Youth. Submit your plans to the Lord and listen to his voice. The third thing, the third thing, if you want to have peace of mind, is to be open to the word. Hebrews 4.12 says this. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Trust in his word. When I used to read this, when I first stumbled upon this verse, and I actually like was looking at it, I'm like, living and active? Piercing? But now when I, when I read the word, I understand that God is, God is doing stuff. When I put that inside of me, God is doing things. God is doing things in my life. Discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart's. We have to be open to that. We have to be open to his word. Open to God doing a work in our hearts. Open to God even showing us things. Showing, things, showing us things that maybe we're doing that we shouldn't be doing. Psalms 139 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Show me, God, through your word, anything that offends you. Lord, that you would give me the grace to change, Lord. Anything that offends you, Lord, I'm open before you, God. My heart is open before you. That you would speak and I would hear. That you would say, God, and I would do. What do I do that offends you? And we sometimes we don't want to pray that because we think God's going to be like, dush, dush, kicking us when we're down or something. But God is not like that. God provides the grace. Be open to that word. The fourth thing is to be forgiving. You want to have peace of mind? Be forgiving. You see, we carry a list. We carry a list of those who have hurt us. We carry a list. And the older we get, the longer that list is, man, and the heavier that that gets. I remember, I remember being in a church. I wasn't here. I was, I was in a church one time. I was sitting in the back. And the pastor was talking about forgiveness. And the woman was like, ah, it's not for me. You don't know what I've been through. And I was sitting right behind her. I was like, that is, that is the saddest thing. You don't know what I've been through. You, we have to be willing to, to, give up, to give up the people that have hurt us. Because really, what, what are we doing by holding on to that? We're hurting ourselves. 
There's people who have hurt us that have gone on and died. And they are still controlling us from beyond that grave in a way because we refuse to let that go, to forgive them. There's people that have hurt us and they've hurt us on purpose and they would love more than anything else. Then you walk the rest of your life wounded by them and being like, oh man, this guy, oh, oh, this guy, this guy did this to me. People would love it. The only person that you're hurting by holding on to unforgiveness is yourself. You don't know what I've been through. Matthew 5 says, You've heard it said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Spitefully use. Anybody ever been used before? Used spitefully? That's an awful, terrible feeling. But even in that, pray for those who did that to you. God takes no delight. God takes no delight in the death of sinners. He doesn't. Even that person that has hurt you more than anybody else in your entire life, God does not take delight in the death of sinners. God desires that sinners come to repentance. Surrender the people who've hurt you. Surrender your rights to be right. Sometimes that's the hardest for me. I know I'm right. I know they were wrong. Surrender is so much better for us. What I do, practical, when I, get, when I find my list of people that have hurt me and I got unforgiveness, man, and I got this thing that I'm carrying on my back because it's kind of a burden, honestly, I just go in prayer and I'm like, Lord, I forgive Billy. I forgive Joan, Lord. I don't even feel like forgiving Joan right now, God, but that you would give me the grace, Lord, to walk that out, God. I'm just going to speak it out in obedience, God. I choose to forgive Joan. You want to see that peace that comes in your life when you start doing that? Release from the bondage of unforgiveness. And the fifth thing, man, be surrendered in worship. Surrendered in worship. Psalm 95 says this, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Psalm 63 says, Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. When I have peace, sometimes that's what it takes. Those, those words there that were highlighted, lifting up hands, where in the world do people lift up their hands besides a concert? Let me tell you, when the police is saying, so your hands up, surrender. Surrender. Sometimes when worship comes, when it's time during worship, if you want to have peace of mind, if you're struggling, sneak those hands out a little bit. Sneak them out a little bit. Empty-handed, God, I come before you, Lord. Empty-handed, God. I pray for your peace, Lord. I surrender, God. My plans, I surrender before you. God will bring that peace. Try me. Try me on that. Come talk to me a year from now. Make a commitment to try that. You try that, 
You close your eyes during the worship songs. You don't even have to know the words. You can make them up. Lord, thank you so much. God, I choose to forgive so and so. You can make it up. If you know the words, speak them to God. Not just with our eyes closed. Not just speaking them to an empty room or, or whoever. Speak them to God. Lord, great are you, Lord. Great are you. It's your breath, God, in my lungs, God. And I use that and pour out my praise to you, God. I'm surrendered before you, God. She would give me your peace. God will give you that peace. I remember this, uh, I remember that series that we did over the summer. It's called Playlist. It was, it was pretty cool. I, I love to hear, if you're here for it, Dr. Greg um, did an entire sermon on, on a song that really touched him, right, in his life. It was a secular song. It was, it was U2, One by U2. I don't know if you know that song. It's a very, very, very powerful word. It was just something that he was driving along and heard one day and just knew that that was, in a way, God even speaking to him through a secular song, right? Pastor Stephen did a great job. He did a couple of great sermons. I remember to this day, there's a very powerful sermon series about songs. Now, I was thinking, oh man, if I had to choose a song and I had free reign to choose whatever song that had uh, affected me in my life, it was a song that none of you probably know, right? Um, I, like, I like hip hop, right? Sorry, I like hip hop. I was youth pastor forever, man. I, I, I grew up on it. Um, yes, I was a heavy metal kid, but I also like hip hop and stuff. And I, was, I had this song on my playlist, and it was a song that I never really heard before. But sometimes, like, it doesn't matter what the genre is. It can be anything. But sometimes you may be driving along, and the words of that song all of a sudden hit you, and you're like, huh? It's a song called Remember the Rain. And I was hearing the words one day, and it was, it was, it was crazy because this guy was just pouring his heart out. And I'm not used to that, right? I'm not used to really somebody just being brutally honest in a song. And this guy was brutally honest. He was saying this. This really affected me. He said, awake from a scream, I wonder what the sound is. Ten minutes later, bloody water on the ground mixed. Rest in peace, send my baby boy where the clouds is, where the king with the crown is. Me and your mama never loved you, and we never even met. It was the best and worst day of my life I won't forget. The day I held my son and the day my son died. Tears fill in mine as I'm looking in his eyes. And at the end, at the end, he said, but we left there singing, it is well with my soul. And I knew in my heart that the Lord would make us whole, so I trust him. And I was like, man, that is, that is just like, I can't believe that somebody could go through something like that. Obviously, like his wife had a, a miscarriage at the end of her, of her pregnancy, right? And I was like, I don't know how somebody can go through that and then somehow have peace and say, even though I left, even though we left that hospital and it was a mess, I trust that it is well with my soul. I trust that the Lord is going to make me whole. And I don't know why at that time that that was sticking out to me so much. I think it was to prepare me. Because at the time I was working in the world, I was working, I was working, I was a contractor for NASDAQ. I was doing, I was like glorified IT guy. And a, and a job offer came up and it was at my old church. And they were like, hey, you want to be the youth pastor? And I was like, whew, would I ever? I, I got a heart for ministry, man. So I was very excited, and my wife was, was pregnant at the time. We were, we were having our first, we were expecting our first. We were trying for years, years. And she's pregnant. And I was like, we're going to join up in ministry. We're going to have our first kid, and it's going to be born in the church. And I, it's so important to me because I was not born in the church, right? I was, I was out there. So I took the job. 
started within like two weeks, we had, we had a miscarriage. And it was so like devastating to us in that time. It was so devastating to us in that time. It was all these, these dreams and all these desires and all these hopes rolled up for us into one. And we were stepping into this great new season and we had, we had gone through things and God, I had served you, Lord. I've tried my best to serve you. Even if I was working in the world, God, I'm trying to serve you. But yes, Lord, you're blessing me with a new position in a church and you're blessing us with this child. And we walked in there and I had this miscarriage and I don't know if you've ever experienced it and I don't want to rip off old scars and stuff. I'm just trying to be real, right? And speak, speak for myself here. It's awful. It's awful. Gr grief and, and loss, whether it was whatever it might have been in your life, is awful. C.S. Lewis lost, his, lost his, his, the love of his life, a wife. And he said, my grief, my grief, I feel like I'm an ant in a furnace of grief. I feel like this big and my grief is so hot and fiery and huge. It's just dwarfing me. I can't even live barely. And I remember I worked there. We took time off and it was awful. And then eventually I had to go back in. And I went and I remember walking into the church in the back and I was alone. And I remember opening the doors, and it was a little bit maybe longer than this place, same vaulted ceilings, maybe a little, little bit wider. And uh, I felt like it was the hugest room I've ever been in my life. I felt like that ceiling was thousands of feet tall, and I felt like even though there's people in there, I was walking into a place, and I was the only one. I felt like this, this little ant walking into the furnace of God and just being like, God, I don't even want to talk to you. I want nothing to do with you. And I remember walking up, and I felt like I was walking forever to get to my seat. So I was walking and walking and walking so alone and so just like wounded in my heart because I thought that I had poured out my life for God. What did I do to deserve this? What did we do to deserve this? The hardest part was watching my wife. And walking up to the front. And they're singing some song on stage, and I'm like, man, I am not feeling this whatsoever. I'm like, but, I, but I, I just closed my eyes, and I'm, I'm, I'm mad. I'm like, God, where are you? I'm like, God, you, what have you done? God, why would you do this to me, Lord? Why, God, why? Why? Is it because of something that we did? Is it because of my past? Is it because of sins? Is it because of this? Is it because of that? Why? And the next song came on, and the song was that old song, It Is Well With My Soul. And it came on, and I heard it, and I immediately thought of that other song, the, the hip-hop song that I had heard before, and the guy talking about leaving the hospital and leaving his dead child behind and leaving the hospital and singing with his wife, It Is Well With My Soul. And that song came on at that moment, and I broke, and I felt the peace of God in that struggle, in that deep water, in that, that just despair and grief of my life, probably the lowest, one of the lowest I've ever been, in that moment, God showed up in his peace. And I sang. 
I sang my heart out. I said, it is well with my soul, God. Your peace is eternal, God. Your eyes see beyond what my eyes see, God. Your ways are above our ways, God. I trust you, Lord. I trust you, God. And I was worshiping my heart out in the grief of my life. Tears streaming down my face like, a, like some, and I was ashamed. I'm a man. I'm trying not to cry. I'm bawling, feeling all these emotions. But I'm like, God, you, God. Your peace, Lord, that surpasses understanding. It is well with my soul. So I want to pray. I want to pray. Because I, I, I've been praying about this message for, for months. I knew I was going to uh, be speaking months ago. And I didn't want to speak this message. This was a message that uh, was going in a different direction until, honestly, I heard that song again, randomly. And then a week later, I heard it again, and I was like, all right, God, I get it. And it only makes me think that maybe there's people out there that need to hear something like that right now, that need that peace that surpasses understanding, that need that hope that the world doesn't have. Lord God, your life, God, eternal, Lord, that we have in you, Lord. Your grace, never-ending, Lord, that we have in you, God. You said in this world we'll have trials and troubles, God, but to take heart because you have overcome this world, God. Thank you, Lord, for overcoming for us, Lord. Thank you that you overcame sin and death, God. That death will not touch us, God. We will sleep. And those that we love that have already passed, God, that were in you, they are sleeping and we will see them, God. Thank you for your hope, eternal God. Your amazing grace and love for us, Lord. If there's anybody here, maybe you walked in Maybe you walked in this place and, and you've never been in church before. And you were just bombarded with you know, uh, my life story and one of the, the craziest moments of my life. But maybe God is speaking to you and I want to give a chance right now for anybody who doesn't know the Lord, who needs to be reconciled to God, to know Jesus and know peace. I want you to Repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I surrender to you, God. I trust you, Lord. I open my heart to you, God. Lord, that you would give me that peace to know that I'm yours. Thank you, God, that you love me, that you care for me, you've poured out your life for me. That you will help me live the rest of my days submitted to you, God. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to audio from Valley Christian Church located in Hopewell Junction, New York. Please visit us online at valleychristianchurch.net for more information. Thank you.